1: like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by the Genesis Company. Uh, it is Thursday afternoon, Thursday morning, late morning, uh, November 9th, a moment in time, Britt, where the Wolves are 5-2 and two with the best defense in the NBA, a top three team by pretty much any of the fancy catch-all metrics. Uh, they're a team, I don't know, they're, they're obviously not perfect right now, but I think watching them, it's a it's a team that if you aren't getting a little swept up in, like you're maybe a little broken, you know, <laughs> which mm. I think something right. that the the two of us have definitely been uh, accused of before. But I thought you 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 nailed like that that concept uh, in your in your column, and I just want to say, like for some reason to, to the listeners, like if you if you only know Britt from this pod or from his little in game tweets, like read him. He is such. You are very good on podcast, Brit. You are a better writer, uh, as you know that MinPost is free, no paywall. Uh, check it out. I, I, I genuinely like enjoy my twelve minutes a week to sit down and uh, read a Brit column because I know something weird is going to be in there and something smart. I really loved uh, the lead to this uh, Brit's column. Starts with sometimes it is appropriate to get carried away. Very rarely, but sometimes you feel like good fortune has set you upon a beast of extraordinary power and coordination, and you can feel both the muscles and the rippling flex take you for a joyride, like a kid in a cowboy movie, and you become a living embodiment of that corny word, giddy up, giddy up. Corny, giddy up, Brit, but uh, <laughs> you're in here. Uh, we've sat next to each other for seven years, I think now, at games, and I was reading that, and I thought of... Only one other time in those seven years did you kind of embody that, you know, talking to me or sitting next to me at the game. And it was the 2021 22 season, Vando, Pat Bev, Ants, year two. And there's some, there's a through line there, right? I, I think, mm-hmm. I mean, some of it is a little bit more, t- it's the fly around mentality, right. it's, it's that energy uh, to this team. I, does this season feel like that season to you, but with more upside?
2: Uh, Yeah, at the time, I mean, I never want to look at upside because, I mean, that's not true. When it comes to uh, giddiness, I never want to look at upside. I basically want to revel in the moment, and almost always when I'm reveling in the moment of a team, uh, it is because I'm, I'm somewhat shocked at how good they are um it's like the surpassing of expectations i feel like i i cover the obviously i've covered this franchise pretty dedicated basis for decades so i think i know the team and they have disappointed and that's been an interesting feeling they have pretty much conformed expectations which is another feeling uh but when they are significantly better than what I had judged them to be. It's fun. Uh, it's also, I mean, it's like, it's a jolt. It's right. it's um, Vando and Pat Bev and that whole season. Uh, I'm a sucker for defense too. I mean, I was raised with Bill Russell and uh, the team I covered had Kevin Garnett for its best time. So like like I, me
1: being raised by like Mike Miller and Randy Foy and <laughs> – Maybe Ray's was like Doug West and Pooh Richardson, Right,
2: exactly. You need some more iconic guys. (laughs) And and, and also guys who, um, it's like, if this continues, the giddy-up is going to be less pronounced, of course, because the ambush factor is down. Yeah. Uh, And that's why it's important to know when to say you're being carried away, because – I'm not going to be carried away this even if the Wolves win like 55 games and get to the um you right. know the the finals or something I remember 03, 04, and I was shocked in the beginning and then after a while you just become to appreciate it and it's a different kind of feeling it's mm-hmm. it's a, it's an internalization of man this is fun but it's not like woo you know right, right, right. <laughs> here we go you know and so uh,
1: I'm excited to you know knockout what kind of, like I am excited I haven't don't feel like I've really experienced that mm-hmm. like in, in my I was thinking about it, it's kind of like I, I, I like the exceeding expectations things too because I felt like the Vandal and Pat Bev year was like that. And I'm it like was. Oh. and then when was the other time any other time that I really felt that I put down two things. Uh one the the Jimmy year mm-hmm. before he got hurt. Mm-hmm. When, when they, they were getting like, up to like third seat. in the
2: league, right, right.
1: Yeah, which I know everyone like doesn't think that's fun now or whatever with, with hindsight, but I, I think it was some of that emotion of like, oh well, like we thought they were gonna be Deese, but like there might be one of the best western conference.
2: It was it was the Tibbs butler mind meld beginning to penetrate, mm-hmm. and that's what made that exciting was right. that um you saw the vision. I mean, Tibbs had already obviously scrapped the original vision of yeah. develop cat and Wiggins you know it's like no we're not you know, so we're did what? Jimmy
1: and Jimmy had started becoming more the forefront of it yeah. exactly and and it was like well we can't talk too much about Tom Thibodeau and Jimmy Butler when we're talking about how things are good right now with, with the wolves but it was similar right oh
2: well I mean what it was is again it's just it's a type of thing where where you got quickening it wasn't like a giddy up carried away kind of thing because you knew they'd be good but one of the things you did notice about that team was that they had a clue that felt like a durable clue. You know, it felt like something like this is a foundation you could build on because we mm-hmm. didn't know, right? you know, how much of a quote-unquote crater Jimmy Butler would become. Yeah, no idea. Uh, you know, a like, great heel turn. But, you know, and, and also, you know, in the process, Butler deciding to throw in the towel also exposed – cat and i mean it did damage to their psyches Uh because uh he was basically saying i'm these guys are quitters i'm not sticking around Mm -hmm. and tibbs essentially co-signed the whole thing with his body (laughs) language and his behavior it's like yeah you're right you come back you know i need Uh you but i can't deal with these motherfuckers either you know (laughs) it's like it really was kind of like the vibe wasn't it no no, it
1: was and
2: so but before all that happened you know when jimmy was Uh, putting his mark on the team in a a manner not that dissimilar to what he did with the Heat. He couldn't do it with the Sixers either. Um, Couldn't do it with the Bulls that much. But it was a period like, I don't know how high they could go, but they could go Mm -hmm. better than I thought they could go. Yeah, exactly. uh, And that that is the feeling that you want, any fan wants. I've always said – the quickening seasons are as much fun as the championship seasons. It's a different thing. It's more like. Um,
1: Maybe not more like, fun than a championship season, but like a contending well, season. Well,
2: yeah, I mean, for me, quite frankly, the well, championship seasons, uh, you know, I've never had one, yeah, obviously. But, saying, but, but, uh,
1: but also, I'm just
2: saying that it's it's. When, when a team that I like is going all the way to the finals and winning the finals, and that has happened. I mean, obviously it happened in my yeah. childhood with the Celtics, but there are teams you would adopt aside from the team you're covering mm-hmm. as like, yeah. this. I want to see this team be full flower. I want to see this team get everything it seems to be striving for because right. I like the way they play.
1: Um, and this team's kind of starting to feel like that. Yeah. Right? And
2: also, I mean, but there's a satisfaction that it's like the difference between a marriage and a flame, you know. Um a championship team is a marriage relationship. A, a quickening team is a flame. It's like you're your infatuation, you know, yeah. you're you're head over heels in love. Whereas when you're married, you're in love mm-hmm. and you're deeply in love, but your head and your heels have stopped spinning,
1: you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I it's kind of like what I want to talk about today is, you know, what is contributing to this, whatever this is, ex- feeling mm. that we're yeah. describing, you know, only seven, because it's only seven games in the season. <laughs> I know, and, and and I think, like, we are not, the, the two of us are not normally very reactionary. And like, well, I would think we try not to be, but there is, it seems we are reacting more and we are saying, we are saying this team has and probably will exceed our expectations. And for us, I think to have changed that point of view in seven games um, says a lot, like, we need to dig into what that is, you know, and we know it's the defense. And then there's also, I I think what, for me at least, what is contributing to it is I'm seeing these different areas that seem very attainable to get better at over the, the final 75 games of the year, and that hints at sustainable ceiling, right?
2: Yeah, and also I'm seeing areas that I thought were going to be things that had to be overcome, areas Mm -hmm. of weakness that are not weak. Um, (laughs) You know, Nas's defense, slow-mo's defense at the three. Um, You know, I mean, these are things I thought, how in the world are they going to play defense with such a slow front court? Mm -hmm. Well, the answer is extremely well. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean that's just that's insane. I know. And that's the kind of thing that makes you go, oh wow, you know, I mean this is uh they figured something out that mm-hmm. uh you know is is a synergistic thing and you know and add to everything else, uh, the roster construction um If Gobert is playing at such a high level and is actually leading on defense, setting an example on defense, Mm -hmm. then the whole dynamic changes. I mean, in the locker room the other night, Ant and Nas, who wouldn't give Rudy the time of day in the locker room last year, are ribbing him about his clothing choices. You know, I mean, it's like.
1: I might have contributed to that. (laughs) Because I was saying it was the big, he was wearing the big. Bell-bottom black pants, and and I said to Nas, I was like, "Did Rudy take your pants? Because that's what Nas (laughs) after the after the first. That was funny, but but that shirt
2: too was the thing that you know. And and, but I mean, the point being is that uh, Ant wanted to specifically include Rudy in a in a locker room razzing, and that is a sign of affection. That is a sign of, hey, you know, this guy mm-hmm. is my teammate. Uh, we went into that locker room last year, and Gobert was staring at his phone. I I, I said Gobert was like the stepfather in that locker room. He not mm-hmm. only was the adult in the room, he mm-hmm. was not related, you know. Yeah. And yeah. so it really felt like that. It really felt like Rudy was, you know, every now and then might look up from his phone and tell people, could you quiet down just a little bit, please, you know. <laughs>
1: turn the volume down Anthony. Yeah, exactly
2: <laughs> so you know there really is this uh and by the way you know when you during that COVID period I don't I'm, I'm not religiously in the rock r- locker room and I don't go pre-game but post-game to get the temperature of a team yep. in the locker room is extremely informative it doesn't have to be anything that is purposeful by anybody. It's just normal interaction. And they spend so much time there that even when the media is there and they're trying to check themselves, they still have habits, interactions. It's a social milieu that has already been established and our presence changes it a little, but not enough to totally knock it out of what it really is. Mm -hmm. And so it's really nice to get in there. And when the league was talking about, you know, limiting access and all this other stuff, especially for beat writers i mean guys like john and chris who need these quotes and jace um and it isn't so much i i don't do all that much quoting but just hanging out you know being in there Mm -hmm. trying not to fall over the equipment bag uh you know (laughs) is you know it's it's great to have that there you know
1: (laughs) brit fell over the equipment bag last
2: oh man it was a senior writing. moment. It was a senior moment. Oh, I have man. never in my life thought Aunt, I was going to catch myself and not caught myself. Ant you know? tried to catch you, but he was sitting <laughs> in it. was head. at the other side of the room, but he he, was like, he, no, no, like, no, he no. left his chair. Oh. I had a great affection for him at that moment oh, that I was... really did feel like he was
1: literally concerned for my well-being. Oh, that was it yeah. Anyway, that was, that was not the same sidebar. vibe in that <laughs> locker room. That was yeah. that was a moment yeah, where no everyone one was on rasing me at that time. They yeah. were
0: thinking
2: the old man might have bought
1: the farm. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that is uh, okay, okay, okay. Um, but having that that
2: whole deal, Rudy is now a guy that is um, respected in manners that are probably the most important ways, which is that I like playing with this dude right now, you know, and and that is enormously important.
1: Yes. It's, well, and because it has, I I said this uh, yesterday, whenever I was with with Kyle, it it really um, stood out to me after the Boston game how, how Rudy talked about um, them sitting down in training camp and, de, you know, quote, unquote, deciding to be a defensive team, which, again, sounds like a platitude, sounds like cliche or whatever. But, you know, you look at these seven games, you talk to some of the guys and you just kind of, again, getting the vibe that you're talking about. Right. It seems like they absolutely, as a group, did buy into that. And and I, what again, what I said to Kyle, to Kyle was that's just like such an article of faith in Rudy given what they had seen from Rudy the, the year before and the ability for Rudy to deliver upon this kind to deliver when they've given him this platform to say, like, this is going to be the identity of our team. You're our best defender. Like we are behind you. We are going as you go um, for Rudy to step up into that and take that and be as good as he has been defensively. These first seven games is a really good cool sort of gamble that the team took and you know, he delivered the running spades or whatever. To, it to wouldn't make it
2: have hit. happened if he didn't meet the schemes halfway. Yes. That was the real key, in my opinion, mm-hmm. is yeah. that, uh, Get into that he was a stubborn dude last mm-hmm. year. I mean, if you remember, it's like he consistently wanted his guards to know when to leave the man to him and when to mm-hmm. stay with their man and He just was what it was. Quite frankly, is he was spoiled by eight years of everybody in an organization knowing what he wanted and needed and delivering it to the best of their ability. Yeah. And I think he was frustrated by the idea that that didn't happen to him. And that's somewhat on Gobert, but it's also pretty understandable. You know that you know if that's all you know, he came over from France as like a twenty-one-year-old kid, and after two or three seasons. He was the face and the, the epicenter of the franchise. And, and so one defensive
1: everyone, plays a player of the year because of it got hundreds of millions of dollars in contracts because of it. like And everything
2: revolved around him. And when one guy, Donovan Mitchell, kind of started to pull at that thread and it became a little bit different vibe, it became, yeah. you know, we're, we're kind of like two teams now. You know, we have a Rudy precept of things to go with and a Donovan Mitchell thing to go with. Mm -hmm. Um, there was tension and it didn't work as well. And so the idea that Rudy had such a bad year, some of it was physical without a doubt. He clearly is so much better physically now that you can see that the literally the body conditioning was a big part of it. But some of it obviously too was mental and that he just couldn't help but be disappointed And he was getting slagged every day in social media. Uh, All the things he would do well suddenly were not doing nearly as well because his teammates weren't cooperating and what he thought should be the way to go. And he really had to reorder himself to some extent. And I remember, you know, one of the last practices before the regular season started, and I talked to him about, you know, the hybrid schemes of, Utah schemes and Minnesota schemes and him saying, it's not really that different for me. I'm still Rudy Gobert. I'm still going to, and I'm thinking, oh my God, you know, we're going to, we're going to get back to this. And Mm -hmm. it became like in my season preview, probably the biggest question I had. And I was dubious. I mean, I posed it as a question, but what I was really kind of posing it as is this is an obstacle.
1: Yeah,
2: You know, Rudy is probably not going to, going to meet the schemes in the middle, he's not going to roam. He's not going to do things. When push comes to shove, he's going to want to stay in the paint. He's going to want people to know when to leave their man and to leave him alone and when they have to have responsibility. Only Jade McDaniels had ever really figured that out last year, in my opinion. Conley, obviously, but not that's not as important because they don't really share a assignment in the paint.
1: I, I think it's the, the length around him that makes Rudy feel safe leaving. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, and right. it's like, it is, I, I don't know how much this pops on TV because I've been you know, obviously watching more of the games in, in person because I've been home so much. If you, when listeners, when you do go to a game and it is like a half court defense possession, just look at how little space there is for teams to navigate kind of that, 16-foot radius, if I'm saying that correctly, like, uh, around the... It's hard to pass through the Timberwolves' defense in the lane even when Rudy isn't there. Right. And and I think Rudy realized that and was like, okay, I can leave. You know, and... And then and, he got into it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what
2: I love about it is that uh, Rudy's trying to block 18-footers. Mm-hmm. You know, and... um. Yeah, I just think that the the crazy thing about that is if you up fake and try to dribble past Rudy, mm-hmm. it's been it's such a detriment that people can recover. I mean, yeah. there really is not only are the wolves and you're talking about wingspans here, not only height but width, there really is a phenomenal amount of uh uh size taken away from yep. the offense. But also um, the ability to either negotiate switches or hedge on screens or go through screens, depending on who the personnel is, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: has been really, I mean, the Wolves are playing a bruising physical defense. They are playing um, like the teams that I have always admired in other markets, teams that... um, Take the game to you on defense. That's what I loved about the Vando, Pat Bev thing. Right. But if they didn't have the – they were – what made that kind of even more fun was that they were gambling because if they yeah. didn't get what they wanted on the perimeter – Corner three. or yeah, three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and And now it's like there's not that much gambling involved. There's a really um, – it's both a natural flow and a fundamental – uh cover to each other
1: and um it's interesting right to like the the corner three thing like in particular when they give up a corner three this year and if you see finch on the sideline he's pissed yeah and two years ago in the the, that scheme they're playing pre rudy there was kind of like an acknowledged like eh, we're gonna give some of those up because we're like you said like we're, we're gambling and, and that all leads into this, like, I don't know, like ability to believe you can be more precise, right? And and take away as many – like I, I think Finch in this group believes they can take away everything, right? They're not going to right. do it every, pose- every possession. Right. And or corner even every three game. actually yeah. remains
2: uh, – especially left side corner three remains mm. if there is a weakness on this defense, and mm. it's often because Rudy is in the left block, and yeah. so going, getting out there, I'm not saying he's, you know, Rudy Gobert is going to be fantastic at sealing the corner on rotations. Yeah. On the other hand, um, getting the ball to that rotation without a lot of uh, pre-designed ball movement right. is not easy for offenses. And so – Well, it's not scripted. It's
1: right. not like Trey Young and Luka Donch again, to two years ago, they know like, okay, I'm in the high quad running a pick and roll here. If I go left and yank it out far left here, Nas or cat or whatever, along with the guard and come up with me. And it is going to be, if I'm going to hit the roller, the low man's going to slide over to take that. And then the left corner three is there. The smart players knew there was this pattern way to break that scheme. The wolf scheme now is, um, Unpatterned. You don't know, I, or I don't know what x plus y plus z equals anymore. Right. I did under that scheme, or we do under when it's just straight drop coverage, right? Like what what you can get to. right It's unclear if I was coaching against the Wolves right now, what I would target offensively to get after. You know, and and I could say every other season I've ever covered this team, I could have given you a do this, like right. that is. The basic, you know, offensive plan for breaking this team's defense open. Sorry, we're going a little bit long here before our first break. Let me get that, and then let's uh, okay. Let's uh, get into how what this defense has looked like, numbers and, and a little bit more there. Um, as always, want to let you guys know that uh, falling knife it is an option for going to watch the games here locally with the the big screen on or the projector screens on, sound on there. It's been a home stand. They're going to San Antonio, San Francisco, Phoenix over the next, whatever that is, five or six days. And um, I'm assuming not many Wolves fans are going to be traveling to that game. You're going to be in town. Uh, there is a different and more fun feel to watching this team right now with others. I feel like like I'm even just sitting by, you know, you and Chris or whatever at the games. Right. Like there's, uh, there's something fun about conversing about the game much more than when the opener I didn't go to Toronto for the opener and I'm watching that by you know by myself right. when, when a team you like me
2: you can't play. shut up when you watch basketball you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm constantly talking you know like I'm, I, it's just it's natural and I've said this before but there are people who just basically tell the media not to put me next to them you know <laughs> I love it. some people like it and some people really really don't want to hear me constantly <laughs> talk about every little thing every little thing that comes into my mind I mean <laughs> some of it has something to do with what's going on but every now and then it's like ah mean you know, it makes me think of something else so but that that's and, a, and, and that socialization that's I what mean, I'm saying like that yeah. is
1: actually I, I, I don't mean that as like some sales point here no, to like oh no. watch it it's more fun to watch the wolves with people when they're good. And 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 have either your level of knowledge of the
2: game or a little bit better than your level of yeah. knowledge of the game is what's really fun, you know? Stress tested.
1: Because then you, it then lot. you
2: get to you know you get to learn things as in the moment of watching,
1: you know. Totally, you know, it's so much fun. Totally, and drinking while you do that is fun
3: too. <laughs> is that? <laughs> That's right. With great beer, we're, right. we're,
1: that would be dangerous if we were doing that uh, meteor. Um, yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> But you could do it if you're twenty. No like you know, yeah. no yes. We we've talked about that before. Like, what if we actually like put on a headset for this game? What I think people would be like, what the hell are you guys talking about half? The They'd hour? have to fade in and out. Yeah, no about it. Exactly, exactly. So, anyways, um, just putting that on your radar, uh, as always, and, and maybe this weekend, um, Friday or or Sunday to go to go check out. Uh, the Wolves against Wemby and the Spurs or uh Steph and, and the guys in Golden State. So volume for run company, Northeast Minneapolis. All right, Britt. Uh let's it's gonna be interesting to to talk about presuming this team remains very good defensively. It's like I feel like I've already done like four pods on like, is this the best defense in the NBA or whatever? It's like, what are the ways we're gonna need to find ways to talk about the defense because that's gonna define this team. I mean, they yeah. are even now, in a great start to the season, they're in a below-average offensive team. Yes. And there's there's things, obviously, we can dig into and pick into there. We can and we will. Um, but the baseline of what makes this a tough opponent night tonight is what you need to navigate defensively. And it is, I mean, the numbers right now are nuts. I mean. Yeah.
2: The, oh, they are. And I'm a lot more confident for the record. Saying that this is going to be the best Wolves defensive team in their history, yeah. I don't know if that means they're going to be the best Wolves the def- best team in the NBA because mm-hmm. there's a lot of good defenses out there.
1: Yeah.
2: Um. You know, once Milwaukee figures it out, right now they're they're really floundering, and maybe you know, Lillard for Holiday is a bridge too far,
1: mm-hmm. and
2: um, that they can't achieve that, but um. The point being that defense is such a team game and it's so synergistic when it's working and injuries are obviously can be huge. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I think that I am confident in saying, uh, I I put this in my column basketball reference has this really cool thing where they, when they have the franchise history for every franchise, they give you uh, like a chart each year. Of the one loss record, but also the offensive rating and the defensive rating relative to the rest of the league, and they put it in in
1: black like that in your column.
2: Yeah, and it was the best defense relative to the rest of the league that the Wolves had was in their o three o four conference finals year. The only time they've gone beyond the first round, they were three point. They allowed three point two points fewer. Uh, per hundred possessions as the average in the league. They didn't finish first. In fact, they might've been fourth or fifth or something. Um, the next best one was 5 06 when Dwayne Casey first came on. Uh, and they were 1.7 points stingier than the league average. Well, right now, well, I don't know what it was. After. I do. Oh, okay.
1: I, I actually, because you wrote in your column, I looked it up this morning. So it's the wolves defensive rating right now is 100.5, which is very, very good. The like league average defense last year was 115.1. Um, that, so that is a, a a massive gap. but right now, as, as is always the case at the beginning of the season, right. offense is down a little bit. So the average right. the average is 112.6. For for a defensive rating, so that is a eleven point one points per one hundred possessions gap. Last the the season prior, the number one defense was one eleven, and the average defense was one fifteen point one. So the Wolves are this from one to median eleven point one last year. From I think it was the Bucks, right? Or no, maybe it was Memphis was number one. It was one eleven to the median being one fifteen point one, like. An 11.1 point differential is nuts. Is nuts. Last year, the number one defensive team was 9.9 better than the worst defensive team in the league. 30s. I mean, that is the gap. The, the Wolves are playing better defense right now in margin between the them and the median team. Bigger than the first to worst defense last season and that is nuts. Cleveland was 111 and San Antonio was 120.9. And that is just a it's just a massive, massive gap. And small and their gap in like you know. the second place team, which is the Knicks, is like two and a half points. And the Knicks
2: oh, it's totally even more than punt, that they punt oh is it now more? Yeah. They they punted the
1: Knicks have no offense, you know <laughs>
3: it's like <laughs>
1: Well, the and, wolves. Are, the wolves are one hundred point five. Boston is one hundred four point two. As oh, so two. Boston
2: is now ahead of the Knicks. Okay, and
1: and New York is is so four points right
2: better than second place. Wow, that's that's a, that's something. That is, and and it's and, slightly- and let me say one yes. thing more on this is that Utah and New Orleans, especially New Orleans now, Utah, and New Orleans mm-hmm. both. You know, Utah I think is tanking. New Orleans is racked by injuries. But Boston and Denver are great offensive teams. Mm -hmm. And and Boston came in here doing the same thing on offense that the Wolves are doing on defense, not quite to the same extent. But Mm -hmm. they were more than four points or five points better than the second-best offense, Dallas, Mm -hmm. um, coming into that game against the Wolves. They were an offensive juggernaut. And the Wolves, I mean, after the game – Jalen Brown was saying, no team has put that kind of pressure on us. Uh, This is a team, the Celtics, who have like four guys who are rugged, ISO good players. They rely on them a little bit too much, obviously, but they just have a lot of weapons on offense that are strong and long and are really good. And with Chris Stapps on the team now – they can space the floor with five out very easily, which theoretically, you know, before the season started, we would say that's going to kill this, you know, yeah. Nas, and Slomo, Gobert. How are they? You Gobert.
1: Know. And Gobert yeah. guarded Porzingis out there.
2: Out there. And and when he didn't, Nas was out there. Somebody, Slomo was out there. Mm-hmm. So that if, if Porzingis did the up fake and ran, I know, guess who he's coming into? Yeah. Or the first block of the game that Rudy had on Gobert. It was a pick and roll with Nas getting beat off the pick and roll, except that Ant had the low wall and a low man who was coming over. Porzingis saw Ant coming over and determined he was going to get a layup over Ant. And Rudy's on the weak side and got the block. Porzingis didn't even know he was there because he was already dealing with Nas at the top of the key. Mm -hmm. It was, I mean, its length and, and covering up other people and... Posegus frequently in that game just looked bewildered, didn't he? Yep. I mean, there were a couple of times where he just sat on the floor and, you know, implored that somebody should have gotten the foul on that, you know, when it's, it was
1: clearly it's weird. It's weird as a five or a seven footer. I mean, we've seen this with Carl a lot. Like, it's bizarre, I think, for a seven footer to be one guarded by someone smaller than them, like not the biggest player on the right, other team. right right because one you're just not really used to it but the part i think you're really not used to is like all right if i beat my man now there's way- a bigger guy there waiting <laughs> exactly. for me cuz normally you know like cat his whole life been guarded by fives or whatever he's like right. all right if i beat valachunus there's not a porzigus behind me you know like which is and- what the clippers
2: with batum on him and then Z- zubak is the guy yeah. who he they frustrated cat like no other, you know,
1: as did Kyle Anderson in the playoff series when he was right. guarding cat in, right. in Memphis, right. but we're talking about now the wolves are able
3: to do to, the do other that. thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's obviously what they've done to Jokic to, you know, as much as you could have relative success right. against Jokic right. uh, that they did last three assists in
2: over 30 minutes is I really, mean, you know,
1: it's that, uh, I, I think that is outside of scheme, just like you're just playing, right? You know, you're just playing right. basketball. That weapon that they have of Rudy's ability to impact the ball when he is not in the the primary, he's not the primary defender, he's not in the primary action. That's hard, man. And 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 what better example than Jokic having struggled uh, against that and not and- having his outlets. I Not mean, Jokic
2: says, okay, somebody's on me. Who's open? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Aaron, Gordon, that Aaron Gordon is going to destroy any other power forward when he goes up for a shot. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, oh, it's Rudy Gobert instead, you know. Right, right. And credit Cat, think- you know, to the extent that Cat stayed in front of him. And Cat yeah. gets up for Jokic. Cat mm-hmm. remembers when he and Jokic, that was a real debate about who was better. For right? sure. Two MVPs later, we know. But, uh, you I know, Cat still remembers all- that
1: actually as much as like a lot of the offensive stuff hasn't been there and has been frustrating like I I genuinely think Carl is very bought into the the concept of absolutely it
2: it is the underrated aspect of cat season Mm -hmm. and Um, then we you know and then uh, it extends to the backcourt I mean my goodness Mike Conley I didn't think Mike Conley had a good game I thought that the Celtic guards Right. I mean, uh, what it was, we saw Drew Holiday crab dribble him down and score over him a couple of times. We're thinking, mm-hmm. all right, Mike Conley just isn't physical enough to play this game, you know, against these big wings. Mm-hmm. And then I listened to uh, Missoula game, and he was saying, you know, we it was really tough. We were trying to separate uh, Gobert and Conley on pick and rolls. Obviously, for the reason that you know, you get Gobert to commit, and then you got you only have to deal with Conley. But Mike's not separating, and Mike is not. He is hedging perfectly, getting mm-hmm. deflections, getting in the way. And I, you know, you went back and looked and showed me some clips. I went back and looked after that and just saw Mike Conley was not playing heroic defense. What he was doing was being a a delayer of execution
1: yes. and
2: as a result i like that. that execution was not able to be completed because he was getting help
1: mm-hmm.
2: and um and rudy is one of the helpers obviously those guys have worked together but and then you would point out you know the how the inverse how they were cross matching trying to foster those cross matches especially yeah. on conley and how conley said to you in the locker room we're used to this, you know, I mean, yeah. they did this to us in Utah, and, uh-huh. you know, it's not easy to do, but if anybody's going to be able, if any 6-1 and 7-1 guy <laughs> are going to be able to know how to cross match, it's yeah. those two. Well,
1: they'd have the experience against okay. it, yeah, that was to Mike's point, and, and Mike said, you know, it's good, we're gonna have to practice that a lot, and, and I think that And there'll be new wrinkles because,
2: you know, that's such an obvious – if you can get that matchup. See, that's the other part of it, though. They're just going to be targeted
1: with scouts way more, you know. And
2: and scouts are going to have to try to figure out how to stop this fly around, though, Mm -hmm. Uh, or take advantage of this fly around. And I think the low-hanging fruit there is probably Nas and Slow Mo and Cat, like I was saying, because Mm -hmm. I can't believe – that they can continue to have like a sub-100 defensive rating together on the floor. Right now it's 95-5 or it was until Before the, the New Orleans yeah. game. Um, you know, that's just ridiculous. You know, that's just, <laughs> I, you know, none of those guys me. are great defenders.
1: Not to overly simplify it, but uh, like if you, you look at the what's different, it's the rebounding too. Mm-hmm. I mean, like there, there's right. some capability to chase, right? right. Um, You know, Nas has more capability to chase. I think Kyle has actually been able to handle and even at times been a defensive like wing stopper where which kind of goes against some of my skepticism about him going to the three like that's like they've been they've been capable just in concept and and guarding their guy, but they've been ending those possessions. And and I mean, that's the that's the thing that stands out. 26th and defensive rebounding last season, 12th thus far this year. And, like, honestly, that 12th should go up. Right. Like, and, and it's the same thing with turnovers generated. They're eighth in turnover frequency. And last year, they were fifth. So, what, like, that is, I would say, more like Stopping likely than transition
2: not... is a, I mean, because that is the area they will remain vulnerable. Yeah. Uh, and they are. I'm actually... talking
1: about generating turnovers, though. they yeah. generated oh, the fifth see. most right. last right. year, okay. and they're, okay. they're at eighth right yeah. now. So, I say that to mean, like, the I think. One, the defensive rebounding has taken a big step up, but only to 12th. You're big as hell. Like, you should be top 10 in that. I think that gets Mm, better. Okay. I mean, but you're right. If I could, I would think that if I didn't know the last two seasons. And also, I think that you have to give up something
2: if you're going to be so physical. I think if you are basically suffocating people on ball or suffocating follow up, you know, I mean suffocating the second action, mm-hmm. you people are gonna be out of position. And mm-hmm. um and I'm 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 fine with that. I actually think that uh I, I think that Conley and Ant as a backcourt are very good rebounders. And I wouldn't have said that about Ant. Again, I mean let me know when we want to get into ant because
1: that's going to just be yeah. a, just
2: just well. A, let's, I mean, a fantastic let... rave. I mean, you
0: know. yeah. <laughs> We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Learn more at marines.com.
1: Well, let's uh, let let's let's flip over to the the offensive side of the ball, oh. um, which I think that has some room for growth too, mm-hmm. right? There's some there's some obvious things I think we can talk about with uh, more and better three point shooting. Uh, more and better ball movement, what Ant, I think, has steadily progressed on over the the course of the season. And then also just some fewer turnovers, some fewer uh, offensive fouls. That's how you raise up from, from where you are. It's kind of some of the minutia, the attention to detail offensively. But the macro detail is Ant and what he's able to deliver offensively to keep this team... Even when the other, even when the three point shooting isn't there, even when Carl is struggling, he's able to keep this offense in and of himself at a at least league average uh, level, which again hints at at something something higher coming. I guess this is just my way of saying, what have you, what has Ant done to provide that offensive stability?
2: Ant is becoming a glue guy in a crazy way. And that is – that's another thing, you know, where you you think about the giddy-up idea like we're on a spree right now. I have no idea whether you can keep this up. But I was thinking to myself, these last four games in November, they're 4-0, okay? I pulled net rating stats on Ant for the last four games off NBA.com or on-off stats. He's been on the court for 139 minutes over the last four games. They're oh. 4-0. Mm-hmm. Offensive rating, 120.8. Defensive rating, 90.2. His net rating over the last four games is plus 30.7. 30. 30 58 minutes off the court for him. Offensive rating, 95.3. Defensive rating, 109.6. They are minus 14.6 in, in when he's off the court. The difference between Ant being on the court and being off the court in the last four games has been 45.3 points per 100 possessions. It's nuts. And raw numbers, 28, 29.8 points per game. field goals, although he's hitting less than 30% of his threes. He's 7 for 24. He's getting to the line more than six times a game and hitting 80% of his free throws. Mm. He has zero offensive rebounds in four games and 22 defensive rebounds, which means he's getting back.
0: Mm. He
2: is getting back. He's not caring about the glass. He is going, but he is going to the glass on defense. He he has 22 assists but 16 turnovers. So, again, to your point, bad three-point shooting, a lot of turnovers, but it doesn't matter because his fundamentals on the stuff that has always been kind of his problem to some extent has been so good. He's got seven steals and two blocks, kind of pedestrian. But what really matters is you can't point to a stat that indicates why he's 45 points good for this team. It's because he's the engaged in all the things that matter. Mm-hmm. And he's 22 years old, you know, and, and this is good. This is a peak. Obviously, if this isn't a peak, if this was more or less business as usual, then get the MVP trophy ready. I mean, you know, it's not going to be this way, but,
1: but For how close last, can it be to that?
2: Exactly. For the last four games, mm-hmm. he's been Superman. He's been, he's been ninety. When he Ann is on the floor, the defense gives up ninety points. When Ann's been on the floor, the defense scores. I mean, offense scores almost one hundred and twenty-one points, and then it flips. They're ninety-five-three and one hundred and nine-six. I mean, that's just. It's just crazy. And obviously he plays with the best players most of the time. But Finch also leaves him out there with that second unit. And especially that front court I was telling you about with, you know, the cat Nas uh, Mm -hmm. of slow-mo. Sometimes it's Nas, you know. Well, actually, no, it isn't. It is that way. And Ann is out there for a lot of that. And I think that's one of the reasons their defensive rating is so good.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: You know, he's just – It's great to see what he did on Tatum, and it's great to see what he did for McDaniels dishing the ball, and it's great to see him seize the moment to win that Boston game. But what gets me is you cannot have a 45-point-per-100 possession differential without doing all the non-dramatic, glitzy things really well,
1: too. Well, here's the thing. He and they passed the ball and moved the ball all preseason, and it looked like a dangerous offense in the context of of the preseason. And you assumed that a lot of that would hold as you know as the season right. started. Okay, you know there's some lights and now and maybe some things change, but they and in particularly Ant just stopped passing the ball at the right. at the, the first couple of That's games. That's very this true. It was
2: very right. aggravating, right?
1: And and now what is happening is I thought Ant particularly last night against New Orleans was extremely intentional about ball movement. And oftentimes that ball movement is in place of a difficult two-point shot or a contested step back three-point shot or or whatever that might be. Um, and to to have to replace bad shots with ball movement is going to, I think. Allow this team to help take care of what I think is probably its biggest offensive weakness, which is just shooting. Um, shooting around the, the bigs or whatever, just overall floor spacing and and right. and shooting. And and against New Orleans in the first half when the game was in the bounce, it wasn't a blowout yet. That they were generating good three-point looks, and I found that to be extremely extremely valuable and it, and it hints to me as at a a higher ceiling for for what this offense who again has been largely pedestrian throughout right. the season of of you know of what they of what they can be
2: well I mean you look at cats shooting percentage and ants shooting percentage from outside the arc, mm-hmm. and those are your your heavy hitters I mean Slow-mo had 42% and Conley had 43% last year.
1: Right.
2: You can't expect that to sustain. I, you know, Conley does seem to be a very reliable three-point shooter. Um, and he's great on that high screen with Gobert. It, it is a weapon.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But um, at the end of the day, Ant and Cat, and somebody said this, you know, about if when Cat is shooting from outside, everything opens, you know, I mean, right. that's, you know, that really is the difference. And to the point where I groan, even when he scores on one of those running layups, I'm thinking, Oh, that means he's going to start to go to it. And right. I want to see seven or eight threes. I don't care if it's only two or three makes. Um, because if he keeps doing it and he forgets about uh, how am I looking? Mm-hmm. And he's in a groove all of a sudden. I mean, Cat's Cat's due for a seven or eight mid-threes game. For sure. And yeah. when that happens, I hope it's against a good team. We don't waste it. Mm. I hope it's against somebody who like Golden State. I hope that, you know, right. one, of those, one of those two Warriors games, if Cat can get 35 on 21 points of threes, right. then they'll beat Golden State, I think.
1: No, I, I, I agree. I think it would be very empowering not only for Cat, but, but for for the offense. Because again, the first half, the offense looked pretty lethal. And 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 I felt 14 along. threes in the half. Yeah, exactly. I, I asked Finch about that after the game and like and I asked Carl about it in the locker room afterwards too, just like how much are you targeting it? How much is it a how much do you are you feeling you need to have um, more three-point volume? And both of them kinda we're like, just, just good shots. Here, here's, here's Spinch on the threes and, and kind of the ball movement that leads to it. You guys haven't been a big take, taking three pointers, uh, team bunch in the, the first half, uh, tonight when you are taking and making them, where do what do you see that open up, uh, for the offense? Yeah, I thought we really did a good job of making the early pass to the open shooter. Um, we generated a lot of looks. We kind of had a feeling where we knew where they were going to come from. Um, Sometimes we, you know, you fight the game, but we didn't. We took what the game gave us, then um, it opened up a lot of, you know, kind of just space, space in general. Um, but yeah, I thought just just our awareness of of what the defense was doing was high, uh, and the ability to make the right play. I mean, we had, and I think it had eight assists at half or something. kill Finch with a bunch. Um, I guess I don't have the the next question in there as well, too. But then I I think Jace asked about, you know, Ant just passing and and what that is opening up. It's like if Ant is passing in those skip passes that he's finding in addition to some more reliable shot making there, now you kind of, like, are getting body blows with the defense and the offense with, like, a three-point... Avalanche can kind of be the knockout punch, you know.
2: That, that, stands, that's right. It stands to reason that a player of great gravity who can throw a good skip pass will yeah. get an open shooter. I mean, that's just logic, it's, right? It's the Luca, if two, it's the Trey. Yeah, if two guys are on me, and I whip the ball to the other side of the court. Uh, even if some guy is remarkably good at chasing mm-hmm. that pass, yeah. If that pass is going to somebody who sees a man being totally left open. It's the second pass that gets it. But the point being is a, a very self-aware skip passer who also happens to be a renowned all-star scorer is Mm -hmm. going to be great for your offense. And it was plus 35 last night. Um, You know, that's, you don't do that without good decision making. You can't. You don't luck into that unless most of your other teammates are in the thirties too. You know, right. I think Gobert may have been like twenty four, and Cat may have been twenty seven or something. But Ant was the the team leader in plus minus mm-hmm. for a reason. I mean, he's just he's doing the right things.
1: Um, well, he's 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 contributing to the elite defense, and he's stabilizing the mediocre offense. That's a a very good way to put it. Rudy empowers the defense, but is, you know, just an excess person on offense a lot of time. And that's not to take away from his. No, I know. And 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 Finch, I love Finch. Finch
2: loves to not say that. He loves to say the opposite, which is that Rudy's gravity is, you know, I got to tell you, any team that is doubling Rudy in the post is is playing into the wolf's hands. I mean, I don't I don't think
1: that, I don't know, uh, man. You're not liking those little Rudy dimes now. He's doing his little like forearm flings uh, all over the well, place. I mean, you know, he's again, passing yeah, with I some love flair. the forearm
2: flings. That's a great uh ah, that is great. It's almost like the sling, the the, the cat sling, although it, it's a little fortunately a little less unbridled, you know. he
1: looks like he looks like a shortstop, like turning two. He's like, Oh, there's Nikhil <laughs> the in the corner. That's right, that's right. And and what I'm I'm actually kind of serious about that because I I don't know how like great of a basketball play that is like you know probably sometimes that's going to be a turnover, but it sends a message. It sends a message and it signals the confidence and it's another anecdote of what I think is the biggest development of the entire season. um, That I think we started tracking back in training camp is comfort and confidence from Rudy Gobert on levels that quite frankly I've never seen before because it didn't happen last season and. With Utah, you know, I wasn't watching it enough to know what that what that felt like. And Utah
2: wasn't using Rudy. No. I no. mean, remember when it was a big deal that, oh, Rudy's going to come out and guard Cat tonight because right. Cat burned him the day before, right. you know?
1: Um, but that's what he did. And now it's like – I remember that. If, yeah. if, we, if we were to do that – It played Utah it, back-to-back nights. Cat had like eight threes in the first game, and then – Think they Rudy came, came to some... out and it was a big Shut deal, down. but yeah. it was like
2: black and white. It was like, Rudy's going to do this and Rudy's going to do this because Utah had its schemes. And I remember, man,
1: I, I went to Utah shoot around that morning before the second game. We asked Rudy questions and he was like, you'll see. It'll be different tonight. We're going to do some things different tonight. And I'm like,
2: huh. But the happened? difference and the reason why Finch is, in my mind, should be given a lot of credit for what's happening now, is he convinced Rudy, I think one of the ways he convinced Rudy is this team needs the flexibility mm-hmm. to not get caught in its one-trip pony excellence. Yep. And if there's a definition for what happened to Utah, it's that what they did so well, a, a playoff opponent has time to scout it, pick mm-hmm. at it, and eventually exploit it. And especially if it's a, you know, a magician like Luca with the ball or whatever, you know, if you run into the wrong personnel matchups, what is encouraging about what the Wolves are doing right now is that they can fly around or they can stay home. um, And not that they're not flying around when they're staying home and not that they're not being fundamentally good when they're flying around, but they have a, broad-based, more versatile approach to defense that still involves cohesion, mm-hmm. using their length, and putting in enough quickness to make that length ultimately effective. And and having guys like Slomo and Conley and Rudy, obviously guys who have been through the wars, who know what defense is about, and teaching guys like Ant and Cat and Nas how to do it um, is all it it's it's that you know, if you want to tip your hat, I just did to Finch, I'll tip it to Tim Conley right now. He's gotten the personnel, um, even with Shake Milton not having a, a good season at all thus far, and all of a sudden being taken off the ball, which was news to him in the locker room. <laughs> but uh um it this is a this is an interesting roster. This is a roster that can withstand, I think, you know, losing their most pure point guard in 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 JMAC after Conley, um, and and they can be okay.
1: It it's a razor's edge thing, I would imagine, as a coach uh, to try and empower Rudy without placating to him. Right, and and obviously we know in, in Minnesota last year it was placating, right? It was, had to be. It, I mean, it, they had
2: so much invested that if Rudy had just shit the bed. I mean, yeah. in in mentally, physically, he he clearly
1: was out of sorts. Um, but by placating that, they shit the bed for him. They said we're only, we're going to play this That's way defensively, really right? yep. and then and then offensively, they they placated to him like you know, be happy to be in Minnesota. We're going to give you we to expand your game. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God, right. yeah, and, and and so much of that is is gone. But I I, I even think about it from the uh, Utah standpoint, right? Right. Um, Utah was a great team. So I don't want this to be taken as like Quinn Snyder. Yeah. Wasn't. They won 60 games. Yeah. I, I don't want to be saying that, that Quinn Snyder wasn't coaching well, right. but there was an element of that team as well. That was placating towards Rudy. It was obsessed with maximizing him while maybe sometimes ignoring how he fit in the greater group of, of five players. And, and, That led to a a ton of regular season wins. But without the empowerment, like effective empowerment of Rudy in a team scheme, it cost them in the playoffs. All right. So this is a different way of saying, like, we need to learn and know what we we need to know how to do multiple different things during the regular season so we can be able to do it in the postseason. Quinn Snyder didn't to, to the extent that I know, did not do that to. A heavy degree. They tried to develop an identity during the, the the regular season. They did it over and over again to get as good as they could at that. And then once it really got tested in the playoffs, it broke. The idea here is Rudy is doing enough different things that it, it would empower him for a playoff series. So it isn't that clippers thing that happened in his final year in Utah where it's seven Terrence Man, whatever corner right. threes right. against him in that sort of way. And I would say that that's my hat tip to Finch is navigating that at least thus far, actually probably doing a bad job of it last year, but learning from that and and finding something to build on and establish as a foundation that could really help them uh, when they are a playoff. Yeah. I think they were frankly
2: surprised as were we all to some extent, but they were really surprised because they had such an investment in it, how badly it went when it went bad. And I mean, I'll say this first about Quint Snyder. I think he's an excellent coach. Yeah. I think that he did tailor a lot of things to Rudy's strengths that made them such a winning team, especially in the regular season. Mm-hmm. And I will also say that I'm really liking what he's doing with the Atlanta Hawks this year, mm-hmm. who, who, by the way, beat the Wolves mm-hmm. in, in, in a game that, you know, and that it's not the first time this season or the last that the Hawks totally erupted. They beat the Pelicans that way. They beat somebody else that way. Mm-hmm. But they suddenly just surge, you know, yep. and and so credit to Quinn Snyder. But to back up your point about placation, Donovan Mitchell is a terrible defender for a reason. Donovan Mitchell never really had to learn how to play defense because it was Rudy's job. Mm-hmm. And Rudy accepted the fact that it was his job. And Donovan Mitchell kind of accepted that fact, too. And so there is a way where Rudy being Rudy creates bad team defense if you're not careful because Rudy wants to do it all and he's really good at it, but one guy doing it all just isn't as good as five guys trying to do things together. It just isn't.
1: I, I, no, I, Absolutely, and, and that requires some sort of mind meld from Conley to Finch to uh, you know, the leaders of the team, who I guess I don't know how to define that exactly. Maybe the starters are the the yeah. leaders of this team. I don't. Well,
2: and getting Conley in slow mo mm-hmm. and getting yeah, Kyle too. And, yeah, and yeah, I mean those guys, um, they understand. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, Conley came up through Memphis, Slow Mo came up through San Antonio and Memphis. If you want pedigree in terms of sacrifice for the team. Mm-hmm. You know, those are great places to come from. And so uh, those were smart acquisitions. And, and you know, this is twice in three years, full years of coaching that Chris Finch has put together a defense that maximizes his personnel. And hats off to him. I mean, I don't know. It's early yet, obviously. And I understand that we're making some assumptions and pronouncements that are very, very premature.
1: Yeah. Uh, What is interesting in all their answers, like, what, what, you know, we're covering a winning team right now, so we're saying this is going well. Why is this going well? What I do appreciate about Finch and pretty much all of their answers is not reveling in what is going well. Every answer by Finch or whoever is followed up with, we need to, how do we sustain it, you know? almost to an annoying point right? and we but, yeah, have man, I know to do that better. and we have to do yeah. better
2: at you know and mm-hmm. he says we have to do better at and that's that's good coaching and that's also it's a little bit different than two years ago where um Finch knew that things were going about as well as they could go and forty six wins out of that roster was really good mm-hmm. forty six wins out of this roster is. Uh, maybe about an expectation level or maybe slightly below. I mean, you and I both called like 46 to 48, right around in that realm. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're now looking like they could be higher than that. Um, I think that Finch and Conley and everybody know, and maybe the locker room hopefully know, that um, if they do keep working on it, that the ceiling is higher than it was two years ago and yeah and it also which was the whole idea right and but there is now a pathway um that we didn't see i mean saying we're going to give rudy you know i remember you and i talking about the wolves having a top five offense that first year with rudy there because we saw Delo, and you know, and Ant and Rudy and Cat. I mean, oh my goodness, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, little did we know that it wasn't going to be the defense that, that stymied Cat and Rudy. And and do
1: you remember that? No, it was going to be the defense.
2: Yeah. What? Yeah. No, I mean the defense was good though.
1: Yeah, yeah, Those yeah. guys together,
2: and it was the offense they couldn't play offense. Yes. yes. And it was interesting to me one little weird thing. and I know I'm kind of jumping around a little, but no. when I asked Kat the other night, um, you guys have worked it out. You and Rudy and Rudy being in the dunker spot gives you room to move around and everything. He said, well, I'll agree to disagree. You know, Rudy in the dunker spot. Sometimes I want to be in the, you know, it's like, okay, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you're yeah. still, you know.
1: They're still that, navigating that. That's
2: kind of a weird take. I mean, in my opinion, if if I'm Cat. I want Rudy to be in the dunker spot. Yeah, there are people down there, but you don't go up the gut very often. And when you go up the gut, it's usually on a side feed. It's not off the bounce. You're off the bounce when you're going left baseline mostly. Yeah. So Rudy in the right dunker spot and you left baseline, you know, I don't know. I I just feel like.
1: uh, I think Carl would prefer Rudy could just stand in the corner.
2: I think Carl would prefer that Rudy sits during the offense and
1: plays during the defense. That's this-
2: <laughs> well,
1: to, to be fair, it makes it harder. Rudy's presence it, on it offense does, makes it does. harder for Carl to do But if those three start
2: to rain in, man, yeah. mm-hmm. then it's not at all.
1: That, that's where it has to start. And yeah. and, and it kind of did last night. I think a couple of Carl was yeah. four for five from three. Yeah. At least two of them were from the corner that's what I was saying uh, the other day is like, let's start there. Like yep, exactly what, what are, what are basic things we can do that are bankable? Let's get
2: some traction in Carl's psyche. That's what we need. We need something where cat can say, mm-hmm. and, and what's crazy is he's not, he hasn't been bragging much about his defense as, which as you noted, and I totally co-signed has yeah. been very good. Yeah. Um, but you know, it it is what it is. Uh the turnovers can pile up, the fouls can pile up. If both of those things go away when he's just standing out by that arc and, and letting that beautiful stroke take over, mm-hmm. uh if he's hitting forty percent of his threes, yeah. then a lot of sins are forgiven.
1: No, uh absolutely, and and I think I, don't know, I might I might save the offensive foul thing that finch talked about yesterday for for jays because we're we're up here over an hour but i think the 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 broader point is you know carl finding that that comfort zone and and i do think last night he found the comfort zone all that got in the way was the foul trouble dysregulating his own rhythm right and that was a lot of those were were offensive fouls in that sort of way um If he can keep his rhythm by lowering his fouling and again, I'm gonna say empower again, empower Mm -hmm. his offense by shooting more threes more effectively. There's another level to this. That's what I'm saying. Like that 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 alone, if you can hit on like sixty percent of that, because you're hitting about six percent of that, right? Of the cat juice right now. The
2: NBA three point shooting champion two years ago in the you know, those skill things at the all-star game. Um, yeah, that's and, how, that,
1: and that's why he's a good player and the career
2: 39 <laughs> yes you know, that's
1: what it is shooter from deep um he also scares the hell out of teams up there yeah. that be a threat so you scare them right. even if there's this internal like i want to drive or whatever be be the threat be the threat in the corner they are not going to leave carl anthony towns alone in the corner absolutely they are not and that is going to you got other drivers on this team you got Mike who can get to the middle for the floater obviously ants all the way like I I've thought about it since you said the like sublime role player thing about Rudy last week when we talked Rudy's being a sublime role player and I think that started as the foundation and now that's building into just stardom can Carl start and catch his rhythm by being a sublime role player himself? and then build on that uh, exactly from, from there if
2: just get some traction i mean yeah he it sometimes it feels like he wants to get everything back all the slings and arrows that he's been enduring all of a sudden one of these two or three plays will do it um the other night he banged home two above the break threes and did that little hop as he went back and i'm yeah. thinking all right you know uh, here we go. Here we yeah. go. And, you know, and so, you know, it turned out unfortunately that uh, a barrage of fouls to end the game mm-hmm. was uh, the, the day new but that first half uh, just stay there, man, just do your thing because you are a great shooter. And yeah. if, At the end of the day, if you're going to have a legacy about Cat, it's going to be that that guy, man, if he's left alone from distance, he is a match-up nightmare because when you start coming at him and really going that way, he can beat you off the dribble and he can pass if he has time. But it all begins, in my opinion, with that remembrance, let's remember that this is a seven-footer out there yep. who, can, who can just scorch you. I mean, and he, and that was one of the reasons. This team had that second quarter boomlet where they went from, like, two down to 20 up or something, and Cat and was one of the many guys who nailed a bunch of three-pointers in that period.
1: I think, as uh, for the last thing, like, Carl is at this – just at this point in time this month or whatever this weird sort of uh redefining of of who and and what he is right the the fan base has changed in ways their their views on him yada 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 um the team has changed and he hasn't had success well here's the thing outside of the emotional antics for carl the one thing that people always had on him is that they and they could point to year over year was a below average defender or average at best defensive center. There is an opportunity for Carl here over not just this season, but you know, let's call it two, three seasons where this team is consistently a top five defense. What will happen if that happens exactly. is the narrative will change yep. around Carl about being a bad defender into Carl was a bad defender when he had no help around him. And instead he will be remembered not as a one-way offensive player. Like
2: uh, a uh, uh, precondition for game. that
1: is Kevin Durant. Mm. If you
2: remember, Kevin Durant was not yeah. regarded as a good two-way player. Mm-hmm. And he's had length, but he didn't have he was considered a little soft, you know, the whole sure. narrative. And, you know, I don't mean to bump you off what you were saying, but no, no, this is it, it it does make me realize. I mean, Durant is universally acknowledged now as an That's above good. average defender. For sure. And it's because he uses his length and so on and so forth. And he he still occasionally gets burned and he's, you know, yeah. but, um, and it, winning teams did that for him as much as anything. And even like when Brooklyn fell yeah. down on defense. People would say, but Duran's playing good defense. Mm-hmm. And it was because, you know, he'd begun. And, and, and not that Cat can necessarily be what Duran is on defense. Well, there's
1: just some physical limitations about speed. It's like right. like in in the way that Luca Garza will never be able to be an average defender because right. of his foot speed. Right. Um, like Carl will never be able to be an elite defender. Right, but, th- but that's never been the request. The request has been be average defensively, and I think within the concept of this, if he's able to navigate guarding some fours a little bit more, not being someone that you can really pick at, right, and he helps lead this team in rebounding, right, that you you just have an above average defensive player there, kind of indisputably who's playing on the number one or number three defense in the league for, for multiple years. There's a. Ch- I'm just saying there's like a chance that the, the perception of, of who Carl is and is not can change. And at given- the very
2: least, at the very least, his two of the last three years he's been healthy or the last two years, he's been healthy, not last year. He has not sabotaged the defense. He's not sabotaging yep. the defense this year, and he did not sabotage the defense two mm-hmm. years ago. That it happens. was only in that first six years of his career when he was mm-hmm. constantly in drop, yeah. And 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 Gorgie went in and played the same thing, and everyone that guy's sabotaging our defense, right. and he was in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and that isn't happening. So I think that that can be somewhat of a kind of a reliable barometer that Cat yeah. is is not going to. You don't have to hold your breath when Cat is playing defense anymore. It isn't like teams have just got to blitz this guy anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, he has gotten better to the point where, would I say that he's even an average defender? I think overall, perhaps. But when he is in the right scheme and doing the right thing and he's got quality people around him, he is um, – Doing his job and can be a member of a looks to be an elite defense.
1: Yeah. And and again, look at Utah. It was an elite right. defense with clearly not elite. Derek defense. favors for Christ's sake. Became
2: yeah. a, a, an idea of a good defender, even though he was slow as molasses. Yeah.
1: Like I even book Danovich, like, um, yeah. who I think was always like a, a, a solid defender, but really had, he really like. Pressed up and guarded, and and was physical in that way because he had he had Rudy behind him. Like I think Carl is starting Great. to understand Carl with Jokic, right? Exactly that he has that he has Rudy behind him, and that that because the 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 one negative thing of the season is just that Carl hasn't played well. You know, um, there are things to suggest that he could, and that it and that it yeah, will get better, and that and that it isn't just he doesn't fit in this. Yada, yada, yada. He does. He actually is the one that, if we want to start really saying giddy up and talk about ceiling, ceiling with this team, he's absolutely critical to that. He, he there's no way this team goes to the Western Conference finals even without Carl becoming really fucking good. Unless
2: Nas Reed does that.
1: No, no, I, no, <laughs> th- 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 that would not happen, man. No, like, you know, I'm I'm a, I'm a bigger fan of Nasri I than know, you. I know, I know, but there is you remove Carl Anthony Towns from this team, and you remove your ceiling. And I'm not saying like long term. There, there's a whole we'll be talking about big seasons down the line, and and all that, and keeping Carl has the opportunity cost of maybe losing Kyle Anderson and Mike Conley. That's a different conversation. I'm talking about right now. Uh huh. The ceiling leaves if if they make one of those trades at this moment for like Emmanuel quickly and Evan Fournier. You know, like (laughs) that that, it just does. You know, and cool Nazareth when you put it that way. (laughs) Well I I see a hell a lot of those screenshots sent to me. Right. I know like yeah okay uh, so you're you're right
2: in the sense that um it's it's always you know all right you don't like the status quo show me a better status quo Mm -hmm. and meanwhile can this status quo elevate beyond even your theoretical status quo and, yes. and and that's your strongest argument in in the vein you're talking about now and I can under that context I can yeah.
1: agree with that I I'm can, talking about strictly within that context right, right. yes and I agree that
2: if cat can be um an above average defender on a very very good team
3: mm-hmm.
2: and a vintage scorer then this this team takes another leap. I agree with that.
1: Yeah, I I think we need to learn how to define what the score is because I don't think it's going to be the vintage version of him. You know what I'm saying? Like well, I think I mean, it's going it, to be an adjustment off yeah. of it.
2: But if it's 24 efficient points a game,
1: I'm just talking about where it comes from. Yeah, because well, I know it's got to come not, from deep. Yeah, I agree. It's not going to be. He was like whatever, the last vintage version of Carl was the year before Rudy got here and was absolutely dynamic, off the bounce, best big man driver in the league other than Giannis. Right. That's right. not there. That's not, right. that's not no, going to be readily available. going to be the, the, the Ryan season where, yeah. where he bombed from deep. Right. Which was, that was what I was going to say earlier. The only other time I felt like this team, there was a two-week period or something where they were really exceeding expectations was the beginning of that season, which they ended up having the worst record of the league and they got <laughs> ants afterwards. But remember when they started 3-0 and above that? Yeah, the, yeah. In my time covering the team, the only three times I could really say they felt like they were exceeding right. expectations was the second half of the Jimmy season before he got hurt, the beginning of Ryan's first full season where Carl was shooting 10 threes a game and making them, even though he was surrounded by nothing. You were like, right, this right. is supposed to be the worst team ever. They're 3 <laughs> 0. And and then now, uh, right. what they you are. You went they, giddy up and the horse went 10 yards and died. Yeah. <laughs> Josh. Josh <laughs> broke its hoof. Yeah.
3: That's right. <laughs> it was, took it out back That's right. That's
1: Trevion right. Graham shot it in the head. Yeah. It was. Uh, well, he missed four times. Then the Trevion Graham
2: got in the way of the horse and they both died.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh he's Brett Robson. Again, uh, check out his his column uh, over at Min Post. It's titled Minnesota Timberwolves Take Down Two of the NBA's best, uh, with impressive defense. It's uh fun pros that I think in, encapsulates uh, the, the, the fun start to, to this season, a season that those far seven games in uh, has exceeded expectations. Though you, you got plenty of commas in there of like, <laughs> whoa, or injury, or whatever that could change right, it. But that, right, that right. but it's not happening right now. Okay, uh, as long
2: as we're preening each other, because you've okay. said a lot of nice things about it already right now. You're going to San Francisco. I am, yep. Yeah, so you're one of the, I mean, podcaster you know doesn't you're on the road you're in the locker rooms not only at home but when possible on the road and a lot of that has to do with the fact that you've generated a fan base that supports you to the extent that you get to go on the road and Mm -hmm. you know beat writers with big publications like the Athletic and the Star Tribune do that but you're a self-funded operation and you're going to go do that and part of that is just Sweat equity from zero to sixty here. So hats off.
1: I appreciate it, man. No, it's uh what better time to I've taken a lot of trips and been like <laughs> I went to I went to Denver last year, the game before the trade deadline. And you remember that game and Delo got ejected and then traded yep. the next day? Yep. That was one of those. I'm like, what the hell am I doing here? <laughs> and they lost by like 40 to, to Denver. But that think of your insights. Oh, yeah. what, what gave you
2: that, what made that trip worthwhile is you were early on the Denver bandwagon because you saw something
1: mm-hmm.
2: that you knew that team had gelled to the point. I oh, remember yeah. you saying in the first round, mm-hmm. um, Denver is a really, really, the odds on Denver winning a championship are really high. And I think they're going to win it all. You yeah. know, and, and you were looking at, you know, the supposed super team in Phoenix, the Clippers with Kawhi at, healthy at the time and yeah. a Milwaukee team and, you know, all this other stuff. Um, and no, it's actually I, a good I,
1: reminder because sometimes that I think Denver it's trip, That Denver
2: trip, you came back saying, you know, Denver is really good. That's what you said, you know, to, to me at the game. And then when they got in the playoffs and you were saying, this Denver team is, is
1: being underrated. There is something about um, being there, being there. And, and I think when we were talking about that with Denver, I think I've said this on the pod before too. I, I don't know. And this is kind of the foofy BS stuff, but like you could feel it. You could right. feel how exactly. professional um, and what that team was about. I actually, the night before that game where the Wolves lost by 40, it was back to back for the Wolves. And they, they played the Blazers. Um, and I got a media pass for that, but I didn't go to the, and go to the press conference or anything because whatever I don't want to I don't need to talk to right. Phillips about anything <laughs> you know um. and I just sat out there and I just watched like the whole warm-ups the whole vibe of it and that like you can feel that when a team is upped its professionalism upped its like word locked in factor and I felt that in Denver. And I'm not going to lie. I'm starting to feel parts of that. Maybe not to the mm-hmm. same extent with right. the same as, well. It's the same as feeling. But, but, but there's – I'm glad you actually brought that up. Like when, you know, whatever, Jokic would like walk by you and you watch the way that he was interacting with all his teammates and stuff, you're like, okay, this guy's in charge. And I feel like that with Gobert now. Mm-hmm. In in this team's context, and holy shit, I never would have said that a year ago. Right, right. And uh, and yeah, I guess to take a full circle, it's it's why there is the getting swept up in it. Right. It's not just what you're seeing right. on the floor; it's off the floor. It's you know we have the opportunity to cover and interview uh, these guys, and it is extreme. Like you were saying in the locker room, it's a, it's it's extremely telling, and I think it it ups our hit rate.
2: And and the. The first of the three long interviews I've done with Finch preseason, I said that Flip Saunders defined chemistry as a pecking order. And he said, I, I you know, he, he kind of poo-pooed that. And I said, well, how do you define chemistry? He goes, I don't know. And then he said, teams going out on the floor knowing they're going to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man and and so that's kind of exactly what you're saying it's it's it, it, it it's it's a different snapshot in time it's not you know go bear or go you know, or uh Jokic with teammates but it's like when you're on the floor and you're taking your warm-ups or you you're just prepping you know you're getting yourself mentally ready mm-hmm. for the game yeah just taking the floor with that kind of isn't even arrogance it's more like uh a, a very quiet assumption that you, everybody's going to play well and you're going to, you know, you're going to do really well.
1: Yeah. You, you can vouch for me on this. Like, th- so there's this, you know, in the pregame media or at shoot round in the morning, there was, there was a bunch of que- once they knew Zion wasn't going to play or that new Orleans was beat up, there was a ton of questions asked to Nikhil and Kyle and Finch, whatever, who, who we talked about, talked to before the game about, you know, these are the teams that you blew it against last year, blah, blah, blah. And there was such, I don't know. It, it felt like, it felt like manufactured fear to me because uh-huh. I didn't have it yesterday going into the game. I was right, like, right, we, right. we were talking about like what the spread was is like nine and a half or something. I'm like, I actually feel really confident that the wolves are going to win this game by 10. When, you know, I was sitting next to you other times last year and they're playing right. Detroit. Right. And I'm like, I don't know. I watched Detroit play last night. They play hard. And I don't think the wolves are going to play hard against them. Maybe they'll beat them or, or OKC or whatever. You yeah, yeah. called an OKC upset. I, I'm just saying it's like, I don't want to, because God, I mean, last time after the Atlanta game, you know, we totally fell into they're doing this thing all over again. I I don't know how much, but I don't know how much one week can make a difference. I have substantially less concern about this team's ability, if I guess that's the word, right. to take teams unseriously, and that it, it's it's not gone, right? But it, it for me, it's not. I don't know. Whatever this feeling is, we're to, we're talking about has like detoxified uh, a lot of that for me. We ready to yeah. wrap this up? Sure. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know, we've been no. I, I, I it, it, it. At the end of
2: the day, what we're saying is um, that I will be surprised if they don't continue to play good defense the entire season provided they have health
1: uh-huh.
2: um i think that we what we're seeing now is a sustainably good playoff team mm-hmm. and um we call you know high 40s and wins and i think both of us had not uh, hosting a
1: uh, yeah, we both basically getting, said 47 wins in five seats. Yeah, okay, so
2: not hosting a first round, but getting staying out of the play in, which is important. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, at that at the very least has been ratified, barring injury. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of questions, I mean, I had a lot of questions about Gobert's adaptability, about ant being able to fill some of the lesser known aspects of his game about uh, the front court being too crowded with Slomo mo and Nas. I mean, all the questions I really thought were pertinent going in, Conley's health is really the only one that remains mm-hmm. in danger to me, right? You know, most of them thus far have been answered affirmatively. Uh, they have, you know, and that can change. But mm. it, you, the caveats I'm making now, though, are not stressing caveats; they are acknowledged caveats. Yeah, this
1: could happen, but I'm not saying, "Hey, this could happen." Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I feel like you're in the moment, but not a prisoner of it.
2: And at the end of the day, expecting the moment to last longer than I did in previous times. Yeah, right. You know, and and that is chemistry. Mm-hmm. As as it said, you see chemistry, and yeah. so you you see a team. That Rudy Gobert is getting razzed on the locker room. Uh, you know that there are different guys on this team stepping up in ways. Nas Reed, quality defender. Anthony Edwards, glue guy on defense. I mean, didn't, you know, we didn't you have
1: those me? on our bingo card. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, he's Britt Robson uh, on Twitter. Uh, at Brett Robson, check out um, his his work over at Mintpost. I will be back uh, with Jace tomorrow. I think what I want to do is an episode on things we were wrong about. So I'm gonna figure that out mm-hmm. sometime this afternoon, which isn't that sounds like super positive, but it could be. I guess it could be a negative thing that you thought was going to be positive too. Uh, I I guess I, I I say that to mean there haven't been many seasons where there was so many things that I thought would happen were different for, for better or for worse. So me and Jason will get into that. Uh, tomorrow. That'll be uh, the Friday show. Like Britt said, I'm going to be going out to San Francisco uh, for those games. So no pod after the Wemby game on Friday, but Chris and I will be back together on Monday morning in San Francisco after the first uh, Wolves Warriors game. So until then he's Britt. I'm Dane. Peace out.